Hey there, friend. Thanks for joining me. I hope you've had a great week. I have had, yeah, a pretty busy week, actually. I was over at Sophie's house. Uh, Sophie and Andrew got a new house recently, which is super exciting, and they are working like crazy fixing it up. So I was over helping them and scraping off some wallpaper. You know what? I love scraping wallpaper. It's like, I, I think it's so fun. So, and it was not coming off easily, actually. That's even more fun. But it was very rewarding just, you know, squirting it with the stuff, whatever was in the bottle and getting it off. So I had fun doing that. But yeah, they're doing a great job and it's coming along and hopefully they will be moving in soon. And yeah, life has sure been busy. We are getting ready for our next mission trip. We're going to Kenya in a few weeks. So that's going to be exciting. Uh, really looking forward to that. And we also have some babies coming in our family. I don't know if I've mentioned that here. Jess and Matthew are going to be having a little boy in April. And Wes and Sam are having a little girl in July. So keeping it even, we will be up to four and four with grandkids, which is super, super exciting. And I got to figure out when I'm going to go see all of them. So that's what I've been doing. And of course, we are starting a new month today, and I'm still trying to sort of do my like theme for each month. So for this month, I wanted to mix it up a little bit. I felt like, I don't know, I don't know if you felt this way. I just kind of felt like last month it got a little boring. So I hope you weren't bored. But this month, I'm going to mix it up and do something I've been wanting to do for a long time. And that is we're going to talk about marriage. So it's a little bit more, um, rather than pondering a specific verse, it's really like, like for me and the way I like to talk about it, I would say it's sort of the, the theology of marriage, like what God says about marriage and how, you know, theological turn is how that plays out in real life. So that's what we're going to talk about. So a little disclaimer that this week, you're good. Like you can listen to this anywhere, but in future weeks, it may not be the kind of podcast you want to listen to, you know, in the car or with the kiddos or whatever, because, you know, I'm going to keep it real people. So I will not embarrass my children. Don't worry. <laughs> we'll keep it. We'll keep it vague to some degree, no embarrassment, but I'm going to talk about real stuff. But this week, this week is for everyone is anyone can listen and also for the whole month, if you're not married, I hope you will still listen because part of what I was like, all right, what do I want to say about marriage? Well, I thought, you know what? I know a lot of um, youngish people who didn't have these conversations with their mom or dad when they were growing up. And so my heart goes out to you. These are the conversations I always had with my kids about things about marriage that I think are important to hear. So these are for you, even if you aren't married, but also, or even if you did hear it to be reminded of, of course. And then if you're in a different phase of life where you're looking like, oh, I have to talk to my kids about this soon, you know, and how do I go about that? It may help there. And if you are married and you and you just are listening, I hope it will be a good reminder, good encouragement of what God wants us, you know, our attitude to be in marriage. You know, just a, a few thoughts, something to ponder about what God wants us to do or even think about marriage. 
in different areas. So of course, I want to start with a story. And I was trying to think of a story that went along with the, the first thing we're going to talk about. And I remembered a time, I don't know if I've ever talked about this before, but I remember a time at the cottage, you know, our cottage up in Canada. And I was sitting down by the fire with my mom chatting away or whatever. And Katie, my sister Katie, and my friends, Jan and Liza, were up in what we called the, well, now it's the toy loft. It did, in fact, used to be part of the girls' loft. But anyway, it was this loft area that uh, was open to the living room. So mom and I are sitting down there and we're just sort of chatting. But all of a sudden we start listening to what Katie, Jan and Liza are saying. I think this I think I was engaged at the time, engaged or married. Anyway, they're chatting away and they start talking about what they're looking for in a husband. And it was the funniest thing ever. So Katie, of course, is six years younger than me. So she was like in high school. But the other two are, you know, about to graduate from college, probably 21, 22, 23, somewhere in that range. And they are talking about all of these requirements that their future, none of them were dating, their future husband has to. Here's what I remember them saying. Well, first of all, Jan was like, oh, well, he has to speak French because I love French. And so that that is like a game changer, must speak French. And then somebody said that they had to play tennis and someone else said they could only marry someone who was blonde. It was hysterical. They went on and on and on. All, I mean, they must have had 20 requirements each. And mom and I just started laughing and they were like, why are you laughing? And we're like, you're ridiculous. Like that's the most ridiculous list we've ever heard. So <laughs> it was pretty funny, but I will say in to redeem them both. Katie, she gets redeemed because she was young. She didn't know what she was talking about. But Jan, many years later, said to me, you know what? The only thing I want in a husband is someone who loves the Lord. I don't care about anything else. And it was not long after that that she did get married and is very happily married. And Jason is just an awesome guy who has lots of great qualities, but also loves the Lord. So anyway, I told you that story because today I want to talk about the importance in a marriage and really in any relationship of acceptance, of accepting people the way they are. You know, in marriage, we have to accept each other. You can't change people. God changes people. And I have a feeling everyone listening has heard that before. But you know what? Sometimes we try to change people. We try to fix them. We try to tell them how they can do things better. But the thing is, especially in marriage, you really do see every weakness. You know them better than anyone else. So you know those weaknesses. You know those, those things that rub you the wrong way. But you love them anyway. Actively love them. I'm not saying ignore the weaknesses. Know the weaknesses and love them anyway. It's not easy to do. I understand that. But it is essential to do. And I believe it is what God calls us to do. And part of that is accepting that God decides the order of things that he is changing in someone. And God decides the timing. Not me, not you. You know, when people grow in spiritual maturity, there isn't just one, one ladder of first you do this, and then you do this, and then you do this. No, we all grow closer towards Christ and are convicted of different sins and in a different order. And that's up to the Lord. 
and not up to us. Just because they struggle with a sin you don't struggle with anymore doesn't mean you don't struggle with any sin, right? So here's your reminder to align with God instead of telling God what to do. This is the Pause and Ponder podcast, and I forgot to do the music. It's me, Susie, and I'm glad you're here. I hope you will ponder with me today the great things of God, the great plan of God that is still great even when it's difficult. Okay, so acceptance. And just in case you're thinking, well, of course I accept people. I accept my husband my or my kids the way they are. They're fine. But it's not accepting them and their, you know, idiosyncrasies or whatever, their weaknesses even, if we think we're always right and they're always wrong. You know what I mean? Like shoes belong in the closet. Let's just use that as an example. I'm right that shoes belong in the closet, so you need to learn how to put shoes in the closet. That could be what someone says. That is not, in fact, what I say, actually, at all, but just using it as an example. But someone else might think shoes belong in the corner of the room or just wherever you feel like kicking them off. Is one wrong and the other right? Not really. So sometimes that's the kind of stuff we have to just accept. This is something they do, and I need to accept it instead of being angry or complaining or trying to change them. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. And where am I getting this from, this idea of acceptance of things like that? Well, I do, of course, have some Bible verses for you. So let's ponder these verses and how they encourage us to specifically love through acceptance. Okay, and you might be thinking I would start in 1 Corinthians 13, which is definitely on the list, but just to mix it up, start with another one instead. It's still familiar, but Philippians 4, uh, 4, 5. Philippians 4, 5 says, Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. So to be gentle. Accepting others is a gentle way to treat them. And Colossians 3, 12 says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, so put this on, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, meekness, and patience. A lot of descriptions of what it would look like, what is necessary to accept each other. Certainly, if we're going to put those things on, we're going to be accepting of the weaknesses and idiosyncrasies of others. And then there's the love chapter. And I'm just going to pull out the verses that speak to me about accepting others, about not complaining and just saying, you know, it's okay when someone in your family does things that sort of drive you crazy or make more work for you. Like that's okay if it makes more work for you. It doesn't necessarily mean they have to change. Why do I say that? Because love is patient and kind, patient, not impatient. It's kindness to Even if it's extra work for you, it's a kindness to do it. And how about this one? Verse 5. It's not rude. It does not insist on its own way. Does not insist on its own way. Not irritable or resentful. That sounds like the opposite of acceptance. And love bears all things. 
endures all things. I didn't read all of them. I was just reading the ones I think that speak to the idea that we really need to just love people in spite of their weaknesses, in their weaknesses, whatever it might be. Now, you might be saying, well, hold on. We don't accept sin. You're saying we accept everything? No, of course, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying pretend sin is good, not at all. Sin in a loving relationship, sin needs to be forgiven over and over and over and over. That's a subject for another day. But today, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the other stuff that crops up that is just people having different choices, you know, in how to live together and when we rub up against each other. If we accept each other in those things, you know, it makes life a lot less stressful to just let it go. That's my reminder today. If somebody's been irritating you or if you've been like, oh, I just wish they would, whatever. And it could be your kids too, you know, even though it is your job to train them. Sometimes with children, I think it's just good to be reminded, hey, they are kids. This is childish behavior and they are children. So I accept that this is something that is difficult for them, right? I accept that my 10-year-old struggles to get his homework done. Like it is a daily battle, but this is who he is and I'm going to love him through it. But what are some specific ones? Well, how about we apply this to real life? Accepting our loved ones. When someone is messy, just naturally messy, accepting them. When someone is always running late, accepting that. They're going to be late. Expect it. Or when someone is grouchy in the morning or the evening, they just have that time of day where they're in a bad mood, accepting that. Or how about when someone is not good at paying the bills? That, that This is me, by the way. Just forget to do it completely or struggle to get it done. What if we just accepted these things? And instead of trying to change them, instead of criticizing or telling them how they could do it better, if they just, you know, would do it your way, how about we start to help them? Help them. Now, this can be a little tricky because you have to help them in acceptance. I will give you an example. A long, long time ago, Wes would never do this now, but a long time ago when Wes was young, he would attempt to help me clean the kitchen, but he didn't, <laughs> he didn't quite have this mastered. Now he's great. He helps with housework, whatever he pitches in and does stuff and it's fine. But back then I was like, you know, trying to clean the kitchen and he's like, I'm going to help you. And he comes in and he starts I'm doing the dishes from dinner and he randomly starts scrubbing the grout in the tile. And it's like saying things like this grout has never been cleaned before. It's so disgusting. Well, that did not feel super accepting me to me. So I kicked him out of the kitchen and was like, no, look, I will clean it myself. Just get out because I didn't feel loved by that. So, you know, you have to do it with acceptance, which Wes is totally does now, but that was a long time ago. So help them. What does it look like? If you have to clean up after your messy person, you know, there's a lot worse things in life than cleaning up after a messy loved one. Just do it. Just pick up the stuff, put it away. Even if you have to do it every day, it's your job. Like you just think of it as your job and that this is a way that you are loving them. Maybe it's a way that God is developing a servant heart in you. I don't know. Accept it as something God has allowed in your life. 
Can you do it without complaining? Can you do it with joy? What about the person uh, who forgets things, forgets to do things? Like I was saying, I forget to pay the bills. Accept this as part of why God made you a team. And you know what? That is what we do. Wes, I always pay the bills just because I do. I'm home. I can do it. But Wes, pretty much every month, reminds me to do it. He's like, hey, did you pay the bills? And then he'll say it again because I'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do that. And he's like, okay, yeah, did you do it? And he says it so kindly, and it's a great reminder because I'm like, oh, it's the beginning of the month. Yeah, I need to do that. So we're a team. Instead of trying to fix them, you can be like, I got you. I'm here for you. I'm going to help you. All of these things are opportunities God gives us to love not to correct. God has never asked us to do his job for him of changing people. That's his job, not our job. I think of when, um, you know, uh, your kids, a sibling talks to the other kid like they're the parent, like, oh, like you're going to get in trouble if you do that or something. And you're like, "Uh, excuse me, you're not the mom. I'm the mom. Don't try to be the mom. That's what we do when we don't accept people the way they are. We're trying to be God. And we don't want to do that. And sadly, I do know, uh, I have met through the years, lots of couples who do not accept each other, who are always complaining about that thing their spouse does that drives them crazy and they want them to change. And it's sad because, you know, you got to just let it go and enjoy life and focus on the good. It's going to make a huge difference if you just accept people the way they are, their weaknesses and all. And I'll just end with this. Think about how good it feels to have someone come alongside you and say, and just help and not judge, not criticize, not complain, but be happy to help you. That's a good feeling, isn't it? Because that's the feeling of being loved. And what a reminder, what a picture of what God has done for us in the, in the smallest of ways of it's a picture of the grand, wonderful thing that God has done for us, something we never deserved. We needed acceptance from him, and he did everything to make that acceptance possible because he loves us. Think of how much Jesus did for us in not just, I mean, yes, dying on the cross for us, but coming to earth, living that life. His entire life was lived simply for the purpose of others, right, of us. So if you have to spend a few minutes living your life to accommodate others that you do love, you know, it's small potatoes, right? And the result will be less stress, more joy, and a closer relationship. What's not to love? Thanks for listening. And I hope this was a good reminder to accept the people in your life. And don't forget that if you're struggling with something that's just really irritating you, ask God to help you. He can give you the ability to accept them with grace and help them in their weakness. Till next time.